Today's show is brought to you by the Sasquatch Triangle Conference, Sunday, May 15th from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. It's going to be held at the Lake Park Complex in Coshocton, Ohio at 23253 Ohio State Route 83. Tickets are only $30 to get in. They're going to have some awesome speakers from all over the country, including Todd Neese, Steve Culls, the Ohio Night Stalkers, and Eric Altman. Tickets are only $30 to get in. And once again, that's the Sasquatch Triangle Conference, May 15th from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. in Coshocton, Ohio. And now, let's get on with the show. The podcast with everything paranormal. Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, the man of the hour, the Tower of Power, Joe Shortridge. Hello. Hello, my brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Great, great. Did you notice something outside? It is sunny. Sun's out. Sunny, sunshine. (laughs) Perfect weather for squatching. It is. Speaking of squatching, we have an amazing guest with us today. We want to welcome to the show, David Wickham. Welcome to the show, David. Hello. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. Yes, we're we're very excited to have you here. And for our listeners' pleasure, we will be at David's event, which is the Sasquatch Triangle Conference. It's May 15th. We are super excited to come and hear all the speakers. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited to be on tonight. And, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, share some uh uh, conference information, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, get on here and talk about some great things like Sasquatch. Yeah, yes. definitely. It's been a while since we've we've had a Sasquatch show. We've been doing, you know, some of the other fringy things, but you know, one of our core uh, loves is talking about Sasquatch. Yep. And I don't know if uh, Joe, have you ever? Have you, had any Sasquatch experiences? Not myself, no. Okay. No. Um, I've been out in the woods a few times, but really haven't been Sasquatch hunting or calling or anything One like that. One thing we but need to do. What about you, David? Tell us a Have you been about... out in the woods well, lately? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, it's it's been something that, uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, anyone, I'm over 50, and anyone that age if you fell in love with sasquatch it all happened back when you was watching you know tv and in search of yes. with leonard nimoy mm-hmm. and and uh the six million dollar man when they had the episode of bigfoot and mystery that. monsters you know so dance monster ufos ghosts all that was like really uh, you know fun you know and and uh what happened is uh unfortunately i had to go to college and then have a life and have a family and it wasn't until I started to slowly uh, retire or, or slowly slow down a little bit. You got a little extra time. Well, let's pick up the things that you enjoy, the passion. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Sasquatch, uh, I was uh, smack dab. Um, my home is smack dab in southeast Ohio and in big uh, historical uh, Sasquatch country and started uh, looking around, and, and here I am. So, you know – 
talking about these shows that really um, sent you on this journey, you know, you said In Search Of. Famously, you know, that type of show, Unsolved Mysteries, you know, we're in the era of, we're in our 50s, right? So we would go to the library and try to find a book about the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> or about Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And that was so exciting. Yeah. That whole mysterious um, realm back in those days. And the books would be all the way in the corner <laughs> on the bottom. Right. You know. You seem to have a large collection of books under, behind under you, right? And unexplained, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're, we're hoping that if we keep, uh, hopefully, our uh, technology and our research uh, techniques improve, hoping that one of these days it'll be in the biology uh, section rather yeah. than right. the myth and mystery exactly. section of the library. Yeah. Don't ever want to lose the mystery, though. I think yeah. that is the exciting part of it is the quest. Um, now, living in southern Ohio, there's well, just, southwest Ohio. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Southeast Ohio. Did I say no, that right? Southeast, southeast Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Southeast. Uh, what's the real hot spot down there? Like what area? Well, it really depends on who you talk to. Uh, I know a lot of good researchers that, uh, you know, wasn't for the last couple of years, no one shared their honey honey hole. Oh, you know, yeah. everybody researched their area and not, didn't share any information. And it really hasn't been since last maybe two or three years that we're, we're starting to find out that we have commonalities and shared experiences and Maybe our, our research areas kind of overlap a little bit, and it's okay to to share with somebody. You have to learn to trust them a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there's always that we go out and you kind of eye that person up a little bit, and they eye you up and down, and you just kind of <laughs> feel uh, with mm -hmm. uh, you know a night experience, night hike, what they're all about. And then once you sit around a campfire and you start swapping stories, you you find out we have a lot more. Uh, things that tie us together than tear us apart. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are are you doing any kind of documentation of like maybe um, the size of the clan or the physical description and and comparing that to other people to see if maybe these are the same um, Sasquatch that maybe are migrating around Ohio, maybe even well, into Pennsylvania. Um, well, I mean the. When people uh, share information, then those those ideas can come up. I know that uh, two instances real quick uh, down at Salt Fork, um, me and some friends uh, who were researching had um, uh, experience hearing some samurai chatter. Oh, and uh, we all we didn't have recorders that night, but we you know five of us experienced it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I sat around the fire with uh, some members of Sospe. Uh, southeastern Ohio Bigfoot investigation uh, that they around the same time like two weeks afterwards they had to camp out in the same area and they also experienced uh, samurai chatter in that in that area For so it, that to just um, together the samurai chatter is something that uh, was uh, kind of classified as um, uh, vocalizations from Sasquatch that reminisce or sounds like a samurai okay. or Chinese during a bad Godzilla movie. Okay. And, uh, it, and it's, uh, it was, I mean, it was funny for us because we were all sitting there without any recorders, but we all were just absorbing it. And, um, 
The other experience I had, there's a, a uh, researcher in Coshocton mm-hmm. here. Uh, his name is Jay Fouch, and uh, he does Coshocton County Bigfoot. And right now, we're not seeing eye to eye, but I respect the man. He goes out in the woods uh, a lot, mm-hmm. and he had some really amazing pictures and had an encounter at a um, closed campground. And the, the Sasquatch came across and walked in, around this field where the campground used to be. Mm. And he took a couple pictures. And now they're grainy, but mm-hmm. you can definitely see that there's something standing there. Well, he had in his back, in his uh, picture, he had a gate, uh, a locked gate. And so he took me to that spot and we found the locked gate. And so I was able to do a, some comparison uh, pictures. And definitely it's, it's, it's something was there. It's not a stump. It wasn't a, you know, a stump squatch. Uh, <laughs> there was something standing there in the picture and we was able to mark it down with, I have a, um, a, a, a PVC pole that's marked off every six inches. So you can see relatively at a distance, how tall a subject is. So okay. when I have witnesses that I go investigate their sightings, I use that as a, as a comparison of how tall maybe they saw the, the, the figure. Well, we was able to get a, a from a, you know a brief uh, evening out there that was about eight to eight and a half foot tall. Wow. And um, the one thing we had experience was I looked at the picture and bloated up and looked at it. It had a white patch on its chest in the oh. uh, right breast. And hmm. I'm like, didn't you notice that? And he's like, oh no, I didn't. Never <laughs> paid attention to it. Well, I got a hold of some old newsletters from um, uh, another old researcher that was just trying to get rid of some stuff. And I read where in that area back in like 10 years before, uh, another researcher that I've never met and really didn't know about, but he had made a a, uh, comment in a newsletter that there was a uh, sighting of a black Sasquatch that had a white patch on its breast. Oh, wow. So... I mean, you can loosely, very loosely mm-hmm. uh, connect the two, but for the same area, for us to read about in the uh, early 90s about a black Sasquatch with a white patch, and then I have in front of me a grainy, uh, you know, not not a cell phone, old cell flip phone camera, mm-hmm. but I, I, I would definitely stand and, and testify that it was a figure uh, in this uh, abandoned ca- uh, campground that had a black, it was black and had a white patch on it. Mm. So it's that incredible. was the idea of sharing information, yeah. uh, having two people um, collaborate and uh, come up with uh, an answer that's greater than the, uh, you know, the one experience. Yeah. And that goes back to some of the things that I talk about is we don't know their metabolic rate. I mean, we don't know if they live for 200 years, let's just say, you know, we don't know because like your sighting or like you were talking about the sighting, people see basically like the same ones mm-hmm. in the same areas. Um, I remember down in Mansfield, um, I believe it was in the sixties. They said that they saw one and they used to call it um, big green eyes mm-hmm. and they just kept seeing that. And up until I believe, I think the last report it was 75 or something like that. But we don't know how long these things live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is there um, any estimates? Like, I would say, like, the great apes live 40 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. And with humans, you know, 
probably the average lifespan of humans about like 80, 75, 80. Mm-hmm. But we also, well, animals take medicine too with it by yeah. different plants yeah. and stuff. But we have a lot of medicines that, that keep us going. Yeah. You know, but they, they very well. we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, nope. be excited years apart and be the same one. That That's really exciting news. That, that is really very interesting. Um, Those are the things that I live for, those little connections that <laughs> yeah. you can, yeah. you know, I do a lot of book reading, but I also try to do a lot of boots on the ground type mm-hmm. of deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also just, you know, the talks and hearing people uh, share their experiences and uh, campfires are amazing. I love, yeah. Yeah. I love sh- sharing Bigfoot stories around campfires. Yeah, you know, sure. and they always, people always say, "Well, why don't you have a good photo of it?" You know, people when you're out in the woods with your camera and all that, they're not posing for you. <laughs> and even like UFOs and all that, they always say, "Well, you know, it's always uh, out of focus." That well, try to get a photo of something. Okay. I'll put you out in the woods and I'll let a pig loose. You try to take a picture of that pig right. running past you, not knowing when it's going to show up, yeah. how far it's away, you know, and cameras, even like cell phones, the way that they focus, it's not an instant thing. Yeah. It takes the camera a few yeah. seconds to focus. And by that time he's, it's out of right. the frame. So you're going to get grainy photos, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, I I always think that they have way more superior um, senses than mm-hmm. us. And, and, you know, I'm sure, David, in your experience, you've heard that they know that we're there before we know that they're there, right? Now, I get a little bit of background. I'm a, a licensed physical therapist. I've been doing practicing for about 30 years now. Mm-hmm. So my job that I do is I go to right now, I do home health and I go to people's houses and I, I help them uh, relearn or get stronger so they can walk. So, you know, gait and walk and transfers and weight shift is is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we, when we get this uh, opportunity to um, uh, research it, you start finding that there are a lot of um, instances where uh, the Indians, uh, you know, go back to all, majority of their cultures uh, started off with uh, having a example in their uh, religion or their culture about a large bipedal hairy um, uh, creature walking through the woods that they had to share you know resources with mm-hmm. and they had names for them and they were part of dances or songs or totem poles and and I and I start with that and 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 it's amazing to hear some of the we're so, slowly starting to get some of the uh, tribes mm-hmm. to share that information and give us uh, uh, a little bit of their feedback of what they know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, for my area, I grew up just down the road from where I live, about forty five minutes, and I heard about uh, Don Keating having Bigfoot conferences and meetings. And I was like, Dad, Dad, I got to go. I want to go. I want to <laughs> hear about Bigfoot. And Dad's like, oh, we don't have time for that. Mm. So, you know, uh, here it is uh, 20, 30 years later. Um, I get to go out and, and go in the woods with Don. Don's still alive and, wow. and kicking. And uh, the uh, we had him last year as a speaker for our conference and, and kind of got his juices uh, going again. And I've been out in the woods a couple times and 
just an amazing person with what he knows of the area. And some of the reports that he put out uh, established the name Sasquatch, the triangle, Sasquatch Triangle. And that's, I kind of gave that as a homage to, to all the hard work that he did back in the 80s and 90s uh, for our, uh, our area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, go ahead, John. Did you say something? <laughs> I, I, I kind of was just leaning towards the, you said our area. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're in Ohio, so we have very snowy, cold winters, um, seasonal changes. Do you think that they are migrating during the season following the, you know, their food sources? Or do you think they kind of stay put and hibernate? throughout the winter months i don't think they hibernate um uh, that would put them at a really uh disadvantage Mm -hmm. uh so i I, and i think there's small migrations to areas that uh is more um uh, resource uh minded uh during the winter months Mm -hmm. uh but i and i i think they follow an area that has the different berries and the different uh, ducks and d- frogs and deer. Now, like in Coshocton, where I live, uh, we are number one every year for deer harvests. You mm-hmm. can, uh, every year we beat out everybody on how many <laughs> deer are taken through bow and gun and, and uh, primitive uh, rifle uh, year after year. So, and then I can still go out and throw corn out in my field and I'll have 10 deer the next night. Wow. So there, there's abundance of, of just that as calorie count, but (laughs) then you got, you know, um, the resources like salt fork, the land where I live by is Woodbury wildlife preserve. You got Mohican state park. Mm -hmm. You got, uh, down South is Wayne national forest, uh, Shawnee. You got all these, uh, areas that, uh, except for on the weekends, there's really not a lot of population mm-hmm. and the uh, natural resources that we have uh, are improving. Uh, there's there's plenty of uh, apples, berries, uh, agricultural uh, fields uh, to harvest from uh, squirrels and turtles and frogs and and clams. And I mean, it, it, Ohio is rich. And that's one of the reasons yeah. why I really believe uh, we have uh, a good uh, Sasquatch uh, population. And a lot of land, too. You know, people think, when they think of Ohio, they don't think of, like, forest or wooded areas, but the areas that you're talking about are huge forest areas. Yeah. I mean, sure. yeah. I mean, just look at the square footage of Salt Fork Lake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's over, what, 20,000 acres? You don't think of a state park being so big. Mm-hmm. So, and then you even look at that as, you know, uh, Salt Fork is a, is a large park and it's a kind of a mecca for squatching. Mm-hmm. And any given weekend, you could have probably, you know, really six to eight people in that area at night looking for Sasquatch. Yeah. And we, we, we hear of each other being in the area and I might reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm going to be on this side of the park tonight. Just letting you know if you hear anything or, mm-hmm. you know let me know. Um, but you try not to cross contaminate, uh, right. or, uh, hoax any, you know, appear to be hoaxing anybody. Yeah. But, um, you know, the one thing about salt fork, I got to admit, and I got to give them uh, props is that, you know, all the area state parks that I go to, the ranger comes up on you and he wants to know what you're doing at 
one to two o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, uh, there are places that they check your ID and make sure that you don't have any uh, warrants or, or arrest. Uh, and uh, then they ask you to leave the park. Uh, at Salt Fork, it's not the case. Uh, the rangers and the park officials are really receptive and friendly to people who want a Bigfoot research. They, they understand it's part of the symbiotic relationship that we have Mm -hmm. and i've actually had reports given to me by rangers when i come out of the woods and it's like oh you're squatching i'm like yeah (laughs) and they recognize me then they tell me a story about someone who reported you know something they saw two weeks ago yeah so i give salt fork a lot of a lot of uh, courtesy for uh how they've opened up and allowed us to continue to research Mm -hmm. in that area how do you think that they hunt like are they carnivorous? Do they eat deer? Do they, I mean, like, like you said, turtle, stuff like that? Yeah. I, you know, I, from what I've uh, seen, um, there's been reports of them having a, a deer carcass and carrying them over. I, I, I had a good conversation with some primatologists who took, uh, take care of uh, uh, great apes. And, um, you know, their diet isn't, meat it's it's they have a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and so i think it's opportunistic i i, I think if you have, leave a farm uh a barn door open and you got sweet feet in there and no one's looking and they're in the area i think they're going to take advantage of that they're going to take advantage of a, a apple orchard and mm-hmm. uh, there are some reports of uh, guys who have orchards and a uh, certain height of apples or uh, fruit are taken at, at a certain height throughout their their orchard and they wonder why yeah. uh, it's because the Sasquatch are going through and, and grabbing some and taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the fishermen, uh, they're, they're dumpster divers. You know, we look at the great, uh, Eagle that we have, we, we, uh, repopulate in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are hunters, but they're also scavengers. And yeah. I think there's reports at salt fork of dumpster diving and, or, uh, any of the lakes where, uh, fishermen have, uh, uh, you know, uh, gotten their fish and filleted them that night and throw the carcass over the side. I, I think that that's an opportunistic meal that just some, you know, f- uh, fish gills and some fish heads and go there and it's a simple eat and go roadkill. Yeah. Uh, there's been um, multiple sightings of roadkill. Um, so they're opportunistic. That's interesting. I mm-hmm. never thought about it like that. Do you um, feel like that they are, in small family clans, do you feel like they're more lone, independent? I mean, you would, you'd have to have some kind of clan system, right, to like repopulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, that you have to have enough gene pools so that uh, when you're propagating and mm-hmm. having offspring, you're not going to have something that's going to slowly um, uh, dwindle down to where it's no longer a viable um, a species. Yeah. So you have to have enough crossbreeding now i think what happens is that there are clans in certain areas that are established and usually i would say at least from what our experiences are with uh with different areas is that there maybe is an alpha male and he's the big guy and then they uh, you know you think about the gestation periods of of great apes and humans mm-hmm. and elephants and large animals uh, you know they're not going to have you know be spitting out a whole bunch of offspring right. so when they have a child or juvenile, it's going to be important for them. And until that um, 
that individual, male or female, gets big enough for either breeding or to move out on its own. When he gets to be big enough to, you know, uh, maybe challenge the old man, uh, there's either a, this is, you know, it's time for you to move on, or you know, you take over, you take over the territory. And um, I, I think there's, you know, we always hear about tree knocks in the woods, and I really think that's, you know, part of that clan that's in different places. Uh, that gives them advantage. And when they see someone coming through the woods, a hiker or a hunter or something like that, they let the rest of them know that someone's in the area, be on your, be on alert. And that's their, their job is to be a sentry. Mm-hmm. And, but that allows the rest of them to kind of relax in their little area. If they found an area, a niche uh, valley or whatnot, that they feel a lot more comfortable in, that allows them to kind of relax, sleep, uh, gather, eat, um, play even just a little bit but the um, uh, other part i think is when we see these road crossings uh, when we looked at um, another gentleman i had a conversation with who looks at um, percentages of the bigfoot sightings across the country and the number one is road crossings uh, mm-hmm. they see a lot of running back and forth well uh, you know i i would say that that's more of you know the gatherers or the out um, the guys who've been kicked out you know, the rogues mm-hmm. that don't have a clan, that don't have a family unit that uh, to protect them. So he's always going from point A to point B, one meal to the next. And so they're the guys that are, are going to take that chance. They're going to run across the road. They're going to be spooked. And so I, I think that's that's some ev- light evidence that leads to that there's maybe a more social structure. Do you think that some of the park rangers um... – Within our, you know, within our state, I'm wondering, I'm just thinking out loud, I wonder if they have any kind of protocol of what they would do if they did came across, come across a Bigfoot that was maybe injured or... Or even dead, yeah. Yeah. A body. I, I don't know. Is anybody... You, you, start getting, you start getting into conspiracies right know, there. Right? And then yeah. I Sorry. Another, another but I mean, that's something, and, we have, uh, something we have to think about, too. But you know, if they. But what if, I do know is that there's some old uh, reports from Salt Fork that Rangers did see uh, Sasquatches around their Ranger station. Mm-hmm. And that was reported and, and documented by Don Keating. Now, the other part is uh, if you look back uh, during COVID, I have the uh, amazing uh, uh, opportunity to uh, help. Uh, the uh, naturalist uh, John Hickenbottom over at Salt Fork, and he kind of got handed uh, during COVID. Uh, they weren't doing programming, so they were in charge of doing um, YouTube videos. And you know, most of the other naturalists had to go turtles or coyotes <laughs> or mm-hmm. owls. And uh, the Ohio Depart the um, uh, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources allowed him to do Sasquatch because <laughs> of how it impacted the uh, park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I helped. Uh, with um, I kind of inherited and, and currently run the Bigfoot hikes over at Salt Fork during the oh, summer months. Cool. And so he called me for re- a resource. And that's been amazing for the hikes because, you know, he says, Dave, um, I wasn't really a big Bigfooter or believer then. And I'd say, hey, let's do an owl hike and 10 people show up. And mm-hmm. then, but we announced we're going to do a Bigfoot hike. <laughs> and we have literally, and this is not a lie, we've had 100 to 300 people wow. show up for a Bigfoot hike. 
if come I from out of state. If I would have known about amazing. the other team. Yeah, we would have <laughs> been there for sure. <laughs> well, we're going to have them this year again, and uh, we'll definitely keep you guys in mind, and yeah. then, then you can tell your listeners. But mm-hmm. And I am lucky by uh, so much to have some friends who are fellow researchers that show up on their own time. We camp out, and we do a little hiking, uh, Bigfoot research afterwards. But I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll make a call out, and we'll get about four to six uh, helpers. And these are friends of mine that I trust, and we run two or three groups into the woods. We try to explain uh, the science behind it and the reports in the park. Mm -hmm. And like we said, if we can get one kid to be interested in going out and enjoying nature and reading books about Bigfoot or or anything about nature, we win. And we've had a couple of things happen during the hikes that have been kind of cool. Um, uh, one guy came up and says, you guys got some guy in the woods howling, don't you? And we're like, nope, <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> our, our reputation is invaluable. Once mm-hmm. we lose our reputation, yeah. we can't get it back. So no, sir, that we are not faking this. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm walking. So what, um, what was your but, take uh, on the, um, the drone video of Salt Fork of the, uh, uh, the the gentleman I did not if it's the gentleman I'm thinking of is mm-hmm. we do it outdoors it was a gentleman named, by name Nate Gray and I have to be careful because this is probably something that you know would be reproduced and be able to be viewed in the court but yeah. uh, I I really don't uh, feel that uh, those videos were legit. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. I, 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 he has uh, he he's been monetized uh, for his YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. He put out multiple uh, videos about his experiences. Uh, the gentleman that the figure that they uh, videotaped had a human gait pattern. A physical therapist with 30 years experience can mm-hmm. tell you that he had problems with walking. Mm-hmm. And you didn't see all of the video. We saw there's some other video clips they put out earlier that other people were able to freeze frame it and find. Um, uh, separation in mm-hmm. the suit and also he had one video where he supposedly found a bigfoot tooth and um uh, steve calls one of my speakers this uh this year for the conference went in great detail of why that wasn't possible uh and no lo and behold he has a individual fishing lure company that he makes fishing lures out mm-hmm. of and some somehow he found this large Bigfoot tooth that he supposedly sent to a laboratory to get DNA tested. Yeah. So <laughs> we, ha- we have some issues with that. Yeah. That's so tough because you see so many videos and oh pictures my. and that, and you, you really can't anymore. It's so easy to make a video. You can't tell the real from the, yeah. from the bad or from the, yeah, it's a shame because we want, to see evidence you know we always say well where's the evidence where's the evidence and there's a lot of evidence out there but it's tough because you've got to really dig deep and really look at those videos and photos and find out but if they're real having evidence what proof is that right like what does that get you if you have a a, a, a photo i would rather have a personal experience and just experience mm-hmm. it than go and look at you know 50 bigfoot photos yeah you know, I, I but it's all it's all gathering evidence too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting uh, like the stories, I like connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm I, I'm I I'm a sponge, and I just love any type of thing that I can get in for more knowledge. Um, but I we had an instance down here in Coshocton where 
there's in the newspaper an article about a gentleman who had dementia was with his caregiver they got lost he got lost in the woods looking for mushrooms and the whole point of the story was that the sheriff's department used a drone that had uh, infrared camera and they were able to put it up in the in the sky and find locate his heat signature and then send a group in to, to uh, bring him out of the out of the woods and i kept that because i'm like okay my little sheriff department has this technology and i'm amazed by it and we should try to as researchers should try to get there too mm -hmm. well a couple of months later, um, I'm at a school uh, giving a talk for some kids about Bigfoot in our area. And afterwards, a young man who was like a mentor to this class, he was also in high school, but he's like, you know, straight up, um, a serious kid, good grades, no trouble. Uh, he's a mentor. And he comes over and he says, um, I don't know if this is a Bigfoot encounter, but do you know that guy that got lost in the woods a few months ago? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, I'm on the volunteer fire department. Again, someone in high school who's on the volunteer fire department. And he says, I was part of the search and rescue for that night. And I said, oh, wow. I said, well, what did you see? He said, well, me and another friend, another uh, my partner, we had a grid on a map to go look. And so we drove this uh, four-wheeler out there to the this pond, and we got out. And we started calling this guy's name. Well, as soon as we got out, we heard three knocks, bang, bang, bang against a tree. Well, wow. for a Bigfooter, that excites me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. like, okay, game on. <laughs> but for a person in the fire department who is a first responder, three bangs is an international sign of, a, you know, of need or help. Mm -hmm. So they grab their backpack and they start running towards the uh, sound. And he says, Dave, I saw this black figure. Like his, his, I couldn't tell you it was furry or not or Bigfoot, but this dark figure started running up the hill away from us. And we're like, you know, the, the, pay, the guy's name, I don't know if it's John or whatever. They're like, John, John, we're here. We're here to help. You know, don't run away. You know, we're here to help. And they're like, okay, this is going to be weird because we're chasing this guy now. Well, all of a sudden, they're, they're starting to make some distance to the hill. And they get on the on the radio, and the radio says, "You know, attention, all units, uh, all parties, uh, go ahead and return to base. The subject has been found and is being extricated from the woods. Uh, please come to to uh, headquarters for debriefing." And they just like looked at each other, and his friend said, "I didn't see anything." <laughs> and they just walked back, got back in their four wheeler, and then headed back to you know the base, home base. And he says, so David, it wasn't a Bigfoot. I didn't, I can't say that I saw a Bigfoot, but I did see a, a large uh, black figure run away from us at a high speed up mm -hmm. a hill. Wow. That's incredible. So let's get into something a little different. Let's start okay. talking about some weird stuff that happens when people see Bigfoot. Okay. <laughs> if that's all right with you. Um, that's heard stories. Blue orbs, heard stories of UFO sightings during Bigfoot encounters. I've even heard stories where people that encounter Bigfoot end up having, like, abductions, UFO abductions, UFO visits, um, poltergeist activity in their homes. What's your take on, let's start with, like, the blue orbs. I've heard so many stories of people will see a Bigfoot, and they'll see a blue orb in the area also. 
Do you have any ideas well, on that? Yeah, uh, I've seen white and red. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had uh, people who do not believe what we call the woo factor, uh, do not believe in the orbs, but they've they've testified to me uh, that they've seen them. Yeah. Um, it, a few years ago, it was a solid line of uh, flesh and blood versus the woo. And I think we're slowly starting to break that out a little bit uh, and identifying that sometimes there's like, I would say paranormal activities um, ish stuff going around. Not all the time. Sometimes yeah. it's just a net. It's a whoop or a tree knock and that's it. Um, but there's been places that I've been that uh, I've seen something running through the woods that was a red light and uh, it looked like it would have been something attached to a dog running that fast. Yeah, wow. uh, I've seen um, a forest light up like a Friday night football game. And as we ran to it, it disappeared and there was no electricity, no lights, no cars, nothing. So um, so I've experienced that. And I always tell I have some really close friends who are good people and good researchers and they believe a lot of this stuff. And I try to have an open mind and let them share with me their experiences. I know they're not exaggerating. Um, and I kind of tell my everybody that I'm a flesh and blood researcher in that my skill set is a physical therapist. So if you got a mm-hmm. footprint, uh, a track, uh, I love casting those. Mm-hmm. And I can interpret a lot of good information from that that type of evidence. But I have friends who talk about, you know, the um, the, the Sasquatch uh, phasing or, uh, you know, being uh, invisible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I there we've talked about some sciences and it's just on the vague edge of what is real. Mm-hmm. And I just have to let them have that moment and mm-hmm. add to my possibilities. I, I would love to I find out that Sasquatch is a is a interdimensional being but can i prove it no mm-hmm. it, i it, it would be amazing if we found out that it were actually you know alien drop-offs yeah right. but i can't prove that what mm-hmm. i can prove is that i can say that there's a foot here that's made by a creature that's seven to eight foot pound of uh, eight foot tall that's 800 to 900 pounds i can i can i can argue that mm-hmm. uh but uh the other stuff uh, it's just part of the as part of the mystery, like yeah. you said. And mm-hmm. I I try not to argue or put down anybody for that, but I I don't I don't jump I don't drink the Kool Aid completely. Yeah, yeah. Because if they're leaving footprints, they have to be a physical being at one point. I guess right. they have to be able to leave that footprint. And like you said, eight hundred nine hundred pounds in order to be pushing the soil or whatever down that far to leave a print that pristine. I mean, I've, I've, you know, Dr. Meldrum. I mean, I've seen his prints that he's had and he even had a print of a knuckle. And I asked him, I'm like, why does it look like that? And he says, think about this. When he's lifting himself off the ground, he moves his thumb out. And that's why the knuckle print was so odd. And he said a human can't move their thumb that way. Oh. And that's why I left a, that kind of a weird print. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in, or, in order to you look at these prints and these castings, and like you said, you can see dermal ridges. You can see evidence of the metatarsal break. You can see evidence of where 
they put more pressure on their toes, you know, mm-hmm. to where a human, if a human was trying to fake it or whatever, you put more pressure on your heel to where the Bigfoots, they actually put the pressure more on their toes that I see, you know? Yeah. I, um, so with the, the footprints that I just enjoy it, but the one, one of my pet peeves is, uh, one, when we find one footprint, I really don't think people are trained or do due diligence to look for additional tracks. Mm-hmm. They, they, cause anything, when you come up to a footprint, anything behind you is now, is now, uh, corrupted yeah. with your footprints mm-hmm. and anything in front of you, unless you're getting on your hands and knees and you're getting measuring sticks out. Uh, I think really people spend about, you know, what, 10 minutes and then they don't find anything and then they're, they're done. Yeah. Um, I usually, you know, put a stick in the ground and I start, you know, pouring my plaster to get that one foot captured. And while that sucker is hardening uh, for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, I'm on my hands and knees, you know, six feet in front of me looking. Is there any other place where a root or a rock or something might have, uh, you know, uh, hid the next print? Mm -hmm. And then I'm what I think it might be. I put a stick in the ground and I go another six feet on my, on my hands and knees looking for that next footprint. And I've been a little, I mean, a little bit successful, not all the time, but I've been successful with finding two or three other footprints, you know, you know, 20, 30 feet down the line. Yeah. And, um, the other part is why, where, why was they going that direction? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a water source there? Is there, mm-hmm. there a food source there? Is there, um, uh, a location mm-hmm. uh hills or ridge that's better for them there um so that that's the other part of the mystery that i enjoy yeah do you um have any evidence or have seen any um nest building in ohio or do you think they're just kind of like camping out wherever they feel safe caves um, or well i i really think that the name the ohio grassman uh, would deliver do well from the idea of uh, a net being found up and around Akron. In fact, Eric Altman, one, mm-hmm. one of my speakers, uh, did an investigation up there. There was, uh, I think, it was a Goodyear plant, and security was seeing someone running around in the in the area they wasn't supposed to be, and they went down and investigated. And there's this big old grass hut. And I have the magazine that was uh, as featured in, and Eric was him and another gentleman was down there looking at it, and you could definitely crawl in inside, and uh, kind of be out of the elements. Uh, it wasn't you know like uh, the three pigs. It wasn't like a brick house, or mm-hmm. it wasn't like a stick house. It was more like a hay house. Um, but uh, it was really interesting find. And then I think Eric went around to uh, people living in the area and. They just kind of was like a boogeyman. It was kind of like, oh, that's just the grass man running around. Yeah. And they found that, and I think that's where the, the it wasn't Indian driven. It was, re, you know, drive by having that one incident, that one report. Um, the Ohio, um, the Ohio connection, uh, I have had a couple other people find nests that they felt was uh, legit. Um, but the Olympic project out uh, West Coast is amazing. If no one has looked at, into that, uh, they found uh, up to like 22 different nests on the ground that they 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 haven't been able to identify with any known creature, mm-hmm. and these are large, 
bird's nest like the size of an eagle nest on the ground. Wow. Oh. And we've had primatologists out there and other people that uh, Dr. Meldrum and Cliff Berrickman mm-hmm. uh, have looked at that. And, you know, they're looking at it as being a, a primate type of nest. I mean, it makes sense. You know, I just yeah, I just wondered if they, you know, maybe made some kind of nesting, came back to it on a nightly basis or if they are just constantly on the move, you know, chasing the food source or or, you know, avoiding us humans. Um, but, you, you know, I, I um, one of the uh, Charlie Raymond, um, mm-hmm. who I'm tomorrow, I'm actually packed up tonight. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be leaving for a Kentucky expedition. Oh, uh, Charlie Raymond is a uh, really great mm-hmm. researcher down in Kentucky. And I don't remember the actual word, but he has a theory that the Sasquatch uh, are up three or four hours and sleep an hour and up three or four hours and sleep an hour and up three or four hours and sleep a couple hours. They don't necessarily hunker in at night okay. uh, because you got night sightings and you got day sightings. Mm-hmm. So what that, uh, but what that shows is that they're not always sleeping, but the other part is if you're mm-hmm. that big mm-hmm. and you're trying to find food sources, there's going to be food source sources that are only available during the day and there's going to be food sources that are only available at night. And if you're going to maximize your effort, you want to be available at both those time zones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't think know. of that. I didn't think of that. You know, I just assume they're up and then they sleep a few hours and then, you know. But I do know that they do a lot of nocturnal stuff, but it just didn't click in my mind about that. And I always laugh because us Bigfooters, well, I mean, we go out at 10 o'clock, we stay up till two and we're all excited. Maybe they played with us. Maybe they didn't. We go back to our tents and we're exhausted for hiking all day. And mm-hmm. we all sleep like, like stones, you know, the campground <laughs> snore and snore and snore. And that's when Sasquatch comes in and messes with you. They move things. They, yeah. they uh, tap on tents or they walk through your campground. And there's no one up. And I, I, I always <laughs> want to say, I want to be the guy who stays up all night and I can never make it. Um, but uh, it, 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 you know, when we're done, we fall asleep and then they come in and, and you know, messing with us. They get, they get their group together and go human hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's mess with them. That's when you have to have the trail cam, right? Put the trail cam at the cap site. <laughs> they, get their, yeah. they get their cell phones out and try to capture the humans. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about the conference. Yeah, let's talk a little bit um what the um, attendees can expect from Coming the up in two weeks. Two weeks from this show. Yeah. Like, uh, three, about three weeks. Yeah. yeah but I'm gonna, two weeks from the show. Yeah. May 15th. Um, I, you know, the, there's a, a Ohio Bigfoot conference is something that I've been to. It's at Salt Fork. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... Uh, it's a wonderful time if someone's never been there. But what I always found was, you know, ticket prices are $75 yeah. to be uh, in the room with the speakers. And that's just a lot if you had a buddy or a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, that. that's kind of discouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, well, I was spending time with Don Keating, and he likes to bowl. And I was going to a bowling alley and bowling some bowling games with him, getting my butt handed to me. <laughs> and he's a great. Uh, bowler and 
uh, we talked about uh, having a conference. He originated the Ohio Bigfoot Conference oh, okay. and uh, turned it over to a gentleman. And I said, well, what if we had another one? Mm-hmm. Uh, we started one. And he's like, well, I'll help. And uh, so I started making some phone calls and uh, just out of homage to what he had done. I said, can I use Sasquatch Triangle? And he said, sure. So uh, my idea is tickets are $30, and I think that's reasonable to hear four or five speakers uh, talk about their experiences. My formula is I want someone from Ohio, someone who's more regional, someone who's uh, national, and then someone who has really been in the business for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I've been blessed by having some networking with, with people that I've met across the years, either researching or sharing, collaborating. And when I reach out to them, I've been very successful in, in getting a great lineup. Uh, and this is the second year. So the first year was amazing. And then this year, I'm very, very excited with the, the lineup this year. Yeah, I saw the pictures from last year, and it looks like a really good event. I like the room. Yeah. The room yep, that they're, they're in, nice. I really like. And I like yeah, how the, the pavilion at Lake Park. And one of the cool things about it is that we, I, I, all the other conferences I go to, everyone goes to the conference, but they party or stay up late the night before, and then they party after the conference. And I, I just didn't want that as a, as the theme. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to sit around a campfire. So the conference is actually on a Sunday, yeah. and everyone gets in on Saturday. And there's a hotel that's down the road, three miles away. I think it's the Roscoe Motor Inn. And they have rooms available uh, at a discounted price. But we're encouraging people to camp out and we, we tent camp or camp. If you have a camper, bring that. And I have uh, uh, half a load of uh, cord of wood and we sit up all night and we burn fire and we tell stories. Cool. And hopefully I encourage people to kind of go to bed a little bit early or <laughs> trying not to drink or party. And the next day, Sunday, we have our conference. And uh, when it's all said and done, people hug say goodbye and they get in their cars and they go. Mm-hmm. And I really want it to be a, a family event or a, a, a you know, buddy event. Yeah. Uh, bring your friend, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Or your um, brother. It's not <laughs> a big, high step, a Bigfoot brother. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, two, I have two um, food trucks that are going to be there oh, during the lunchtime. Yes. And I try to make an extra long time for the lunch because you know, every conference I went to, it's lunch break. Everybody jumps in their car, runs across the street, hurry up and get something to eat, come back. You have indigestion. You're thirsty. You're hungry again, still. And you start off with these other conferences, and that's when your eyes start rolling. You get tired, and, <laughs> and you miss out on stuff. So we have uh, like an hour and a half, two hours for lunch. And if you want to get in the car with Coshocton, it's right down the road. But mm-hmm. the food trucks are going to be there. It was it One of them is back from last year, and I added another one. Oh, great. Uh, the other part is I try to um, call upon local stuff. Uh, so these are local uh, food trucks that uh, I've, I've went out and actually had an opportunity to eat the food. I enjoyed it. And I'm like, hey, do you want to do this conference with me? And they said, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, other thing we try to do is uh, I don't want to have – I'm not heavy on vendors. Uh, I do like to have a little bit of souvenirs or something you can go back for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we, we have a, a t-shirt that's for sale and we have, um, uh, Doug Waller, who is part of Salsby, uh, Southeastern Ohio Bigfoot investigators. 
he's written a bunch of really good books about uh, the Sasquatch story in the area and around the states that he has for sale. Um, Don Keating's going to be there selling some of his uh, uh, pamphlets and books and photos that he's taken through the years. Um, I have a friend, Amy Boo, who is part of Project Zoo Book, mm-hmm. and oh, she's yeah. going to have some things good available. Um, so I, I don't want it. I, I don't have it, you know, vendor heavy, mm-hmm. uh, but there should be something there for everybody. Yeah. And it, it's and podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a family event. Yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it, we are we're excited to have you guys yay, there because yes. I, I, I think uh, to have uh, someone experience it and um, and be able to then go on and tell about your experience. Uh, last year, uh, we around the campfire, they were, everybody was having fun and telling stories. And I was sitting back a little bit away from everybody. And some of them were worried about me. They thought I was, you know, having an anxiety attack. <laughs> and they said, Dave, are you okay? And do you want to come up and join us? And I said, I will in a moment. I said, I, I want to enjoy what I'm seeing right now mm-hmm. because this was the perfect picture of what I wanted my conference to be about. Yeah. And I said, I'm just enjoying this because this was my dream. And uh, to see people laughing and sharing stories and networking and people, yeah. hey, we'll get together and we'll go out next year. All right. You know, yeah. um, I think uh, it, that's that's the magic of, mm-hmm. of Bigfooting. It's what keeps everyone healthy and young is it, no egos. Don't yeah. bring your ego. Yeah. Uh, bring bring evidence, bring your sense of humor, mm-hmm. uh, bring your willingness to share and have an open mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can't ask for anything more, right? No, we always we always talk about the different conferences, and it is to us a lot of the conferences we go to are like family reunions. Yeah, for sure. You go to these conferences, you meet people, and year after year, or different conferences, you see the same people, and it's like a reunion, and you get a chance to talk, and that's the the best thing about like the Bigfoot conference is it gives you that opportunity to talk about something that you may be afraid to talk about to other people. Like my coworkers don't want to hear about uh, the ghost in my house every day, right? And they don't want to hear about me spending eight hours in the woods getting covered in ticks looking for (laughs) Bigfoot. But somebody at the conference, Mm -hmm. we're all like-minded and and open-minded, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's no judgment. So somebody can come in and talk about their experience and know that, you know, we're all in the same boat and we all like to um, collaborate, I guess is a good word, mm-hmm. and, and have that shared experience. Yeah. And I can't yeah. tell you how many times, you know, we set up at conferences, obviously, and we can't tell you how many times somebody come up to us and say, I've never told anybody this before, but, and they, they tell their story and they are so and, relieved that and, there's people there that'll listen. Right. And experience the same thing that they did. Yeah, I had a wonderful experience where uh, I had a patient who was a retired park ranger. And I, I'm just to a point where I'm not embarrassed anymore. I just, yeah. once I feel that it's proper to, to uh, interject, I tell him what I do. And I asked him if he had any reports or any sightings. He said, no, I don't believe in it. But I had a mm-hmm. really close friend who mushroom hunted and pheasant hunted with me, squirrel hunted. And he said he had a sighting. 
So he was able to give me that guy's information and found out it's right smack dab in Woodbury, right in my research area. Oh my gosh. So I called him up and his wife did a little bit of buffering and she didn't, she was thinking I was making fun of him. And I said, no, I'm an honest researcher. I would love to hear a story. And he talked to me on the phone and he, I told him I loved it and it had a lot of truth in it. And uh, I actually even had him go in my vehicle with me to go to the spot and we kind of reminisced about it. And he gave me a big hug and he said, just, you know, I've been ridiculed by family and friends and thank you so much. And, and uh, thank you for believing me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a big, that's a big part of, of that, that justification of why I do it. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah. For sure, 100%. Well, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing the good work. Mm -hmm. And listener, please, in two weeks from the date this show comes out, it'll be May 15th, the Sasquatch Triangle Conference in Chicago. I can't say that word. Joe messes up the name every time. Because shocked in Ohio. You can look it up. There we go. I'm looking at I've got my notes in front of me. <laughs> if you can't find it, just go to Columbus and head east. You'll find it. Look for the big crowd. It's going to be at the Lake Park Complex. That is at 23253 State Route, Ohio, 83. Tickets are only $30. Bring the whole family. It's going to be a blast. And David, we want to thank you for coming on. It's such a blast. And it's going to be really nice meeting you in person in two weeks. And uh, we're going to have fun. Yep. Uh, well, we'll definitely uh, welcome you guys. And uh, anything I can do to make your stay a little bit more uh, pleasant, just let me know. Uh, there's definitely some uh, historical spots around that I think you guys might be interested. Yeah, awesome. definitely. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this week, everybody. Get out there and go Bigfooting. Have some fun. Enjoy the show. Get up on our website. We've got T-shirts for sale up there. It's going to give us gas money to get to the conferences. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but help support the show. And the easiest way for you to support the show is just tell a friend. That's right. And we'll have the information on the conference on our um, Facebook page. Yes. And you can go up to the Facebook, the um, Sasquatch Triangle Conference Facebook page, event page, and get more info there. We'll put it all in the show notes, and you'll be hearing about it for the next two weeks because right. I'm going to plaster everything with it. That's right. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to leave you with some sliver by Dead and Five. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Hang on.